Support for the Woj Pod comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website, choose a template you love, and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this very podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website, so create yours today. Get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com slash Woj, W-O-J, to get 10% off. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in New York with Ryan Rossillo. We hit on everything in the NBA playoffs, free agency, draft. A great hour with Ryan Rossillo. Stay with us. Here with the great Ryan Rossillo in ESPN South Seaport Studios. Is that what they're called? South Seaport? I don't know. Is it South, South? or is it just the Seaport it's Studio? It's Seaport Studios yeah. on South Street Exit. It's on South Street. Is that what it is? I don't know. I haven't I paid attention know. to anyway, the exit. I, yeah. Well, that was the exit I thought I took. I thought it was on the left side when I first got here. You could wander around here. When they first moved here, it was just, it wasn't even on like, not MapQuest. What do we use on our phones? Waze? Waze or whatever. Anyway, you couldn't, there was no Google address Google Maps. People, people hated Google Maps, right? Anyway, you've been here all week. Yeah. Doing get up, first take, the whole assembly line, pods. I, feel I, had, like, I had a mini car wash, yeah. Mini, mini car wash. I feel like I've talked hoops with you all week. Because I've listened to you all week. You've had, I think I've listened to your podcasts. I've watched you on TV. We were on TV today. For two hours. For two hours. Do we have anything left? Do we have, do we have, I wanted to interview you. I don't, you have the info. I, we just, we, should we go over every rumor? <laughs> <laughs> your favorite word. You know I hate that word. You know I hate that word. Yeah, so we did our, you know, two hours of Laker coverage in the middle of Multiple games. Poor Nuggets fans and Trailblazers fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's. I love that series. I do too. I love that's a basketball junkies series, right? All right. So go ahead. Give me give me your give me your impressions on everything. Well, give stop it. This is my podcast for solo. (laughs) Knock it off. What's been interesting though in that series, Ryan, is seeing Damon Lillard maybe get a second wind because I think he was that looked like a tired team. Especially after the four overtime game, yes. But I think emotionally, it felt like Lillard spent a lot in that Oklahoma City series. There was like the whole Westbrook thing. It's not a small deal. He's been fighting for respect and to be appreciated as on par with a Westbrook who's been an MVP. And, and listen, Dame was first team all NBA last year, but I think coming out of that, it might have gassed him a little more than some others. And, you saw it, he hasn't played as well in this series, but a big game six, and you feel like he got some of that momentum back and maybe that second wind, and I have a feeling that's going to be a monster game seven on Sunday. The Dame third quarter in game six and the way he's 
screwing up everything for any basic defense on what you're supposed to do on those high screen rolls. Like, wait a minute, so you're going to come off of this and pull up from 30 feet and it's become a good shot for him. I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be something he's going to do, but it's, it feels like the new Steph thing all over again when you're going, wait, is this going to be like a fluke year that Steph's doing this or is this really going to be yeah. who he is? And so you have that part of Dame's thing. And you're right, the shooting numbers in the beginning of the series for all the love from the Oklahoma City thing, you go, wait a minute, like, is he not? Is he falling off here a little bit? So that third quarter I thought was huge because you don't have to shoot it great all night when you're getting 17 and kind of putting a team away in that third quarter. But it wasn't just he and McCollum combined. Rodney Hood, who is a guy who, let's be honest, in other spots, you forget he's been out there. Mm -hmm. And I've always had this kind of funny Rodney Hood thing where I liked him out of Duke because I think the size, left-handed, it looked like he had a bit of a stroke, and it just didn't happen. And he was the one that really got them back into that game earlier. So he plays well. Seth Curry's played well. So the whole guard combination outplayed a Denver backcourt, at least for night, that I felt like Denver's backcourt, Murray, I didn't really know what to do with him. But he's been steadier for the most part. Mm-hmm. Harris has been really good defensively with these guys. I still like Denver at home in Game 7 because they're one of the worst playoff road teams, despite their overall really good record. But... It's been fun because every night it feels like something drastically different. Maybe Millsap has a night, and then Portland's trying to counter, and then they can't do it, and they do their twin tower thing that they're trying to do. So it's been a lot. And I also think just for nationally, this has been huge for Jokic because he's just he's needed he's needed some sort of thing that people started paying mm-hmm. more attention to him. Because let's face it, like we know about it, we watch it all the time. But I I just feel like with guys like that, it's this. This almost national coming out party. Yeah, except are people watching that series? Are the same people who appreciate Jokic in a regular season, guys like us, more than the casual NBA fan, are they invested in this series? Or are they staying up watching him? I hope so. He is. Just Have you ever he... asked him, like, who did he watch? I can't imagine combining that kind of skill set. Was it Arvidas or something? I'm just trying to think of who. Well, he's too who, young for. Yeah, he's right. Too young for that. So who did he watch to even put together That's this kind question. of game? It's a good question. It's it's you know Tim. Pavel Pukolzin. Who? Pukolzin. Oh, I don't I don't know. Ask <laughs> <laughs> Gavoni about that. That was one of Zanuck's first guys, I think, when Zanuck was an agent. Pavel Pukolzin. He was going to go like top five, and then they were like, "Oh, oh I think he has like yeah, a thyroid yeah, yeah. thing." And yeah. then he said he learned how to dribble by playing NBA Live. I know too much about him. Yeah, be a lot. I was talking with somebody the other day, a GM actually. We're off subject, but I was on the phone with a GM, and he was going through like his staff had put together, kind of like a you know a download and a binder of the European prospects, and he was going through them maybe before one of the Euro camps coming up. And he was like, you know, you got all the agents coming at them about trying to draft stash guys. Like, hey, this is a stash candidate for you. And I said, when did that? And I asked him, when did that start? The whole draft stashing? Like, who were the first guys? And he said, probably the Spurs perfected it in a lot of ways. And, like, think about it. Atlanta drafted Sabonis. He ended up in Portland. But did Atlanta draft him and have his rights? Oh, we're talking Arvidas? Old school Arvidas? Because that was more players hadn't been allowed out of Russia yet. Because yeah, he was over there forever, Union. so yeah. I actually don't I remember where he was originally. I think they just got his rights. Let's yeah. draft him in case they ever let him out, yeah. and we have his rights. I think it wasn't a stash. 
But no. anyway, at some point, it's almost like a Bo Jackson Raiders thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's just take if he a, ever decides to D- play football, Danny and... Red Auerbach, Danny Ainge. Although I think Red knew something. I mean, he took Danny Ainge in the second round. Ainge would have been a top five. You know what always blows my mind about the bird thing when he could draft him a year ahead of time, which again draft is eligible. This took is him fifth, right? And then there was in the bird book. Red. Now I feel like I'm doing a Simmons podcast because we get to the Celtics within seven minutes. But <laughs> <laughs> Red went to Larry and said, you know, if you guys, you know, it's Indiana State, so if you guys lose early in the tournament, in theory, you could come play for us. You know, like hockey, right? Yeah. One of the best players for UMass, this 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 young kid was on the Avs like a week later. So Larry got pissed off at Red for suggesting that they weren't going to go deep in the tournament <laughs> and saying that he could join the Celtics later on. I'm just thinking, imagine if Zion had been drafted or something, and then right now the Nuggets, I mean, just in theory, I, I know that sounds stupid, but if there were a version of that where Zion mm. would be playing in the NBA playoffs. Yeah, I remember the first conversation I ever had with Giannis Atenacumpo was during his rookie year in Milwaukee. We were at a restaurant near his apartment, and we were talking about, when the NBA front office people started to come around to see him when he was in Greece. And he, I remember him, I think he told me that the first NBA draft he ever watched was the John Wall draft. And he didn't even understand what the draft process was. He just thought they come over and scout you and somebody likes you. And next, you know, he just gets on the plane and comes back to the States with somebody like that was his view of like how this would There's work. There's no order to it. There was just... no order to it. Could you, could you imagine if they opened it up, just open it up. Wow. Well, there have been people that have argued yeah. you know, if you wanted to really make it a free market, and Oof. I don't, I don't know what would happen. I don't, I don't know what the unintended consequences would be. But how would it work if any team could bid on Zion right now? If any team could say, "Okay, look, it's not, it's not about you going to a team that didn't win twenty games. It's right. about you and the fit, and you know the whole deal." I don't know that the system's necessarily that bad that it needs no, to be fixed. No, I think no. everybody's the teams, sort of, it's yeah, for the teams right. like this is they're going to control that. Of course, players would love to have. Yeah, the last the last few years, I've noticed just more and more volunteers to fix stuff that may not really even be broken. But, but <laughs> I I've, I want to follow up with the, with the Giannis thing in a second. But the draft and stash thing, I I bet if you went through it the last few years, it's the obsessive nature of a front office to feel like you always have some kind of asset. So I bet you. I, and look, I know this. Lesser Euros get drafted or international players, I should say, than some of the college contemporaries because they feel like, oh, well, I don't have to cut my second rounder. Mm-hmm. If if I went through a lot of those draft and stash guys, I don't even know. I, would the hit well, rate be 15%? Well, would it even 10%? The, the funny thing, the decision I always have to make, well, a decision I often have to make is there'll be a trade, especially when it's a money dump, which almost every trade has become. You can't just send money. Let's say we're going to send $2 million to somebody to get off money because we're over. We're in the tax. That team has cap space. We're sending them money and usually a second-round pick or whatever. But in the cases where they don't have it, they don't want to give them a, like a legit second. It's just money. It's the draft rights to somebody. So it's the draft rights to a player who's never coming over here. And I'm always – I got to the point where like – and then you're like, well, who are the draft rights? And they were like, I don't even know how to spell his name. Like we have him. We have his rights. It's this guy. We drafted him five years ago. And then it's like, I've stopped. Like, the names don't mean anything because they're never coming over. No. But once in a while, they'll give them and you look. And then you're like, then you're Googling them going, okay, did they spell it right? Is like, does this guy even exist? Right? Okay, he exists. And But there's always some fights with the league office about who 
Like, what guys can they actually throw in these deals? They have to be legitimate. I think there's a window of time back. You know, like the draft rights from some guy from Holy Cross in the '60s. Like, you can't use those, right? Who's right? Right, like but, a Chicago uh, voter or something right, like that. Right. Yeah. Right. No, but there. I always could tell, especially because I knew I was younger and I was just a guy that was going to different stuff and would try to build contacts and do whatever I could to try to just have better information. And I could always tell when a front office was lying to me when they would mention the rights that they acquired in some trade and it was some draft and stash guy. And they'd be like, you know, this guy, Guillermo Francois, like, you know, we actually, there's a lot of, a lot of teams around the league that like him. <laughs> I just go, what? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I've had, I actually, I'm not going to use the name because he's a current GM, but he was pitching me on the fact that there was this one player that a bunch of owners liked. And the guy never, he never played in the league. He never played in the league. Like, he just flat out lied to me. So it makes me think, when's the last time a guy lied to you? Um, not just the, hey, I had to do what I had to do. Well, you have to define a lie. Is a lie... Not not no. telling the truth isn't a lie. Like a real misdirection to mess with oh, you. Oh, misdirection. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like, no, does anyone afraid lie? to do that to you now? No, I wouldn't. I don't. I'm not saying that. Uh, I was. <laughs> you know, is it a lie? Hey, is that deal done? Nope, deal's not done. Why? Because the courier hasn't brought the signed contract. That one, I I don't think is a lie. Yeah, semantics. And there's also a part of it too, where it's like, no, there's 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 only so much they. Yeah, don't have to say. They're never like in the end. You're you don't want people to have to jeopardize a deal. Sometimes you do have to jeopardize. Like you have to make decisions on. That's that's another conversation. But wait, but we let's go back. If there's anybody still listening after the stash players, Denver, Portland. Um, let's just go I didn't back even there. know where you were going to go. No, okay, let's go let's back. Let's go back let's go there back. for a moment. Okay, Portland's interesting because I would have loved to have seen this team in the playoffs with Nurkic, and they were playing really since they've traded for him. Don't have the stat offhand, but I'm pretty confident since they traded for Nurkic, there's only there's less than five teams in the league who've won more games than them. And he was having his best season. I think the night he got hurt, I think it was 32 and 15 that night. And Cantor saved them. I mean, the two, look at the trade deadline for them. They, well, they got Cantor on the buyout. And they there got, really wasn't any competition for Cantor. Oh, huh? no, there was. Well, wait a minute. On a, on a trade, though, no one wanted to trade for him. I mean, the contract made it really hard. He was making $18 million. That made it hard to, to move To just around. match the number Yeah, because then the Knicks yeah. are like, we don't want money going forward. And yeah. And no, people thought it didn't make sense. No, I know the buyout market. market was competitive. Yeah, it was. I just it was, I yeah. thought that if it was that competitive for that, then someone. But you're right. I mean, it was such and, a big and, number. And think about what he's done. For, I mean, so you lose Nurkic and you play him, and certainly, you know, offensively, listen, he, he's going to rebound. He's going to put up numbers defensively. He's always been a liability. It's always been difficult for him. But how about this guy who's essentially making what four hundred thousand dollars in the buyout? And who, by the way, got his $70 million by signing an offer sheet with Portland. Oklahoma City matched it, which they were probably always going to do. And they don't get him for the $70 million, which probably would have been a lot for him, right? But not only does he play for them, guys out there playing with a separated shoulder, playing in tremendous pain. And, and he's fasting. And he's fasting. I mean, he has been a beast for them. And usually guys, hey, I'm going into free agency don't want to do this to my body and to me i don't know that he's risking i don't think he would be playing if he was risking long-term damage but there's a guy like you go back into free agency he does and you say 
Like, I want that guy on my team because it had become a little bit with Cantor, like, you know, he's talking a lot and he's creating, there's some... The Knicks you know, got sick of him, I they, think it's yeah, fair to did, say. Yeah, they did, right? And, and, yeah. But in Oklahoma City, like, what a teammate, like, just great teammate. Those guys loved him. And New York, he didn't want to be around. That kind of losing... It brings out the worst in everybody and probably did with him too a little bit, but that, and then the Rodney Hood trade at the trade deadline, which he didn't know how impactful it would be, but Hood has found, I think that environment in Portland, so it's, it's a lot like the environment in Utah, very functional, really good guys. He's been on a tear. I was going through his game yeah. log last night being like, this is, this isn't the Rodney Hood I've seen, I think, his entire career. Yeah. yeah I mean, there'd be a game every now and then, yeah. but this steady end in the second round against a good Nuggets team. Yeah. And I've he'll been be really a, impressed. He'll be an unrestricted free agent. When he was a restricted last summer, the market was pretty limited for him. The Cavs had worked on some sign and trades and didn't get him done. And, uh, he ends up taking the qualifying offer to stay there. And now Portland, I think it has the ability to re-sign him, I think, around the mid-level. I think they can use their mid-level on him. And I don't know that he's outgrown that. Like, it's a great postseason for him. You never know how that necessarily translates. But those two moves. and But with Nurkic, and this team may still get to the Western Conference Final, and I'm not sure they were going to get to the NBA Finals with without him. But, but I, I think when you thought it might be a bit of a lost season for them once he went down, and then C.J. McCollum goes down for the last few weeks of regular season – important for this Portland franchise who was under a lot of pressure this year, got bounced in the first round last year, and there's always these inevitable calls to blow it up, break it up, you're not good enough. And it's like, what, so we could end up like wandering through the wilderness like Orlando or Cleveland and some of these places where, you know, these rebuilds take forever. Like, no, we're going to keep going with Lillard, we're going to keep going with McCollum, and we're going to keep putting pieces around them and... Here they are, one game away from the conference final. I'm so glad that's where this ended up going because I know whenever I've looked over at, at playoff failures for teams, I don't say blow it up very often. I, I rarely say it. I've said it after the Houston dynamic with Harden and Dwight Howard where I go, whatever this is, you got to hit the reset button on this, okay? And Dwight ended up bouncing out. They actually, ironically, maybe those will get into some of the Kyrie stuff, but you know, Daryl didn't want to lose the asset. So as bad as it was, he still wanted him, which sounds insane. Um, the Wizards, who I've always found to be one of the most delusional group of, of guys, just, you know, we're tough and we're all these things. I'm like, I, the results would, would tell most of us that they're not. Right. And after Oklahoma City with this run with Westbrook, I'm not necessarily saying blow it up. What I'd said on a podcast was that, if I were Presty, who I think is a really bold guy, and I understand that Russ is the guy that took the money. Russ is the guy that's embraced the community. So every Thunder fan that gets really upset about any criticism, I understand their defense of Russ because you traded away one MVP and the other guy left you behind. So you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I, I understand the defensive nature they have about this guy. But Portland was one of those teams for the longest time that people kept saying, as you point, like, okay, well, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Like, what are we doing now? Are we giving teams a two-year window, and then if it doesn't work, they're going to blow the thing up? Right. And, like, and, and fifty wins means nothing. Yeah. Like, look at like, so. If we're not winning a championship, everything else no is point. failure. Like, yeah. I, I've so started respecting. Let's have an empty building. <laughs> let's have nobody watch our games on TV. Nobody buy. Our, like, this is a business, right? And. You can trade Lillard and McCollum and get a pick and get two or three lottery picks. 
chances are you will not draft two players better than them. Chances are you probably won't. Chances are you're not going. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you when you look at Lillard, I know that his his pursuit of of recognition, you know, he feels like he's up there. You know, that what he's doing, you're competing though against a a revolutionary type player in Steph, and to another degree in Harden. And yeah, I think we all kind of fell in love with the Westbrook story because he was the guy that stayed, and it mm. was. I think that first year with Russ, despite what the team did with the triple double, it was a celebration of him mm-hmm. embracing it. And that's also somebody that that fan base kept telling that the, that he was going to, you know, look, he likes L.A., he's going to go out there. So then he ends up staying. It's like, see, all of you national guys, all of you guys are wrong. So I don't, I don't know what Westbrook. I don't know how it ever changes. So when I said, just to finish that one thought, like Presty, I wonder if he'd ever go. I wonder what the market would be. But look, he just had sort of another knee procedure. All that money coming in is yeah. massive. I, I think the height of his value would have been to trade him when Durant left. Right? That would have been the time. But that would have been impossible, really, because it would have felt like, I, market, am I going to lose two guys? Well, you know? especially because at that time, Westbrook came in and said, I want to do the renegotiation. He had one year left on his deal, and because they were under the cap, they could give him, I think it was an extra $10 million a year for that year and then add another year onto his deal. And the fact that he was receptive to do it right away, if Russell Westbrook comes in and says, you know what, I'm not ready to do the big extension, and I don't even want to do the renegotiation where I can get more in the short term, and just says, I'm going to play it out the way Kevin did, he gets traded that summer. But... Once he came in and said, hey, I want to be here. Let's do the renegotiation and then we'll do – and then they end up doing the longer-term extension. He made the decision for Sam Preston because if you're Oklahoma City, let's say you just decided we aren't going to do the renegotiation. We're just going to trade you, get everything we can for you. Then you know Russell's going to say, hey, I wanted to stay there. I was willing to do the renegotiation. I was going to stay for a couple more years at least. They traded me, and now you've traded Harden, you've lost Durant free agency, and then you traded Westbrook. That's a tough legacy, and so, and, and you needed a win. I mean, Presti needed a win, right? There. And that was and a that win. was the win, and, and then they pull off the Paul, and then they yeah. pull off the Paul George trade, and now they'll figure out like this is like the test for that organization to reboot it again around those two players and Stephen Adams, and they need more shooting. You know, listen, they were third in the West, one or two defensively, when Paul George has the shoulder injury. You know, we reported the other day, he's got the rotator cuff surgery on his right, labrum on his left, and he'll be out through training camp. He, he may not start the season with them next year, but they'll get it fixed, And but they've got to retool around them. And I, they thought they did it this summer with, with Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder, right. right? And think about that. It went from, we're going to have to... I mean, that was one of the coups of the summer, right? You, you thought you were going to have to wave and stretch Carmelo Anthony, and you were able to flip a pick to get Dennis and bring him in, and they were able to save the money and get that was a, a player. Trade. It was the tax bill was going to be ridiculous, right. so we knew that wasn't ever going to mm-hmm. happen. And I know I need to be, you know, because of this pod, just always be responsible about it. But I just why do the, you only have to be responsible on this one? Well, I, I can just, you know, I mean, we we can make up stuff on other ones. Oh, oh, That's yeah, thanks. I appreciate that, <laughs> but. The the reason I'm kind of teeing all of this stuff up is that I don't I don't say it very often. So I've respected Neil O'Shea in Portland. Going, we love our backcourt, and if they're happy here, we'll keep paying them, and we hope one day something comes down the road. Like I had heard Paul George, and I know this because I had talked to the other teams. But when George was still with the Pacers, he was offered to everybody, but he was offered for 
somebody else's star. Yeah. You know, whether it was somebody on Golden State, whether it was somebody, one of the Portland guys. They would have taken either of the Portland guys. Mm -hmm. And the theory would be Portland would say, we are adding Paul George to this. Right. We're not we're not giving you one of our guys for your guy that may not even want to stay here for our guy that's happy. And yes, yeah. I know everybody wants to win. And the larger point will be if Houston loses to Golden State without Kevin Durant, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, you got to reset the deck. Maybe not. Maybe they'll be the best team in the West next year if KD's somewhere else. Yeah, and, and you just said it, though. Think of the risk. You're Portland or you're Oklahoma City. You can't get free agents in those places. You can't. And... I mean, getting Cantor in the buyout market was a big victory for them. And he looked at opportunity and role, and, and he didn't know Nurkic was going to get hurt. It was really a great sales job there to be able to get him to come. And then all of a sudden, lots of opportunity comes with Nurkic's injury. Wouldn't be crazy but, if he ends up getting paid again pretty good money after yeah. it felt like the, the day Cantor signed yeah. it was a bad contract? Yeah. Like, and, it's and, incredible how quickly this stuff can change. Yeah. But, like, Lillard and McCollum love playing in Portland. They both re-up there. Everybody in the world seems like they want, you know, Dame, you should be demanding a trade. Why aren't you asking yeah, to get traded weird. out of like here? Yeah, it's Like, you're a star. Why don't you? Yeah. Well, why aren't you demanding a trade to the Lakers? You want me to go to the, that organization? Like, I got a pretty good one right here. Like, this idea that I'm in the big market and I'm going to be happy. My problems will be solved. What you want in the league is winning. And, and listen, I get doing it in New York or L.A. If you're going to win big, yes, winning there probably beats winning everywhere else. I get it for all the off-the-court stuff. But, like, you got to know you're going to go win there. And when you got a good thing like that, it's funny. People want to give him credit, and he does deserve credit. But it's like, why is it so outlandish that he, he loves the marketplace? He wants to feel what Dirk Nowitzki felt in Dallas, like what that championship meant to Dirk in Dallas doing it there. That That was his city, his town. And you know, they may never get there in Portland, and it's with Golden State there, it's hard for everybody. But you don't trade guys like that when they want to be there because you may not find another one who wants to stay that way. And then how do you sell the next guy on staying when you've traded the last guy who said he never wanted to leave that place? There's a lot of things that go into we're just going to move off of these guys. You know, that's got such long-term ramifications for an organization because you lose credibility with the next players you have coming in when you when you trade out a guy who signed wanted to be there you, you won't get anybody else to commit to a Portland or Oklahoma City or you know name the other small to mid market and that's where the draft pick stuff and cap space and I remember when I was younger I'd be like oh it frees up all this cap space and then I remember one of the cool things about you know being around the Celtics a lot and I used to talk to Ainge and Ainge would say you know you guys are obsessed with cap space. You do realize that it's it's usually kind of like a loser's market, meaning one you're signing a guy that the other team is letting walk, right? And you know it, you just you don't know what you can do. You're just sitting there making deals in February with your fingers crossed in July, and that's why Ainge is always a proponent of I'll trade for the contract, I'll trade for the player because at least I know exactly what I'm getting. There's no. There's no mystery. I'm not ending the season going, I wonder what my roster will look like next year. And the more I thought about it, I go, that's amazing. Like, why do we write these articles? Not, not you, but I used to kind of think, me, oh, me, man. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Draft, draft yeah. picks and cap space, draft picks and cap space. What what the hell's wrong with having, like, a top 20 player and going, you know, maybe we add something. I think the GM job now has become, can I just have a couple assets sitting around for the next mad guy? Right, like, like yeah. what the Clippers have now. 
The Clippers are, the Clippers, are loaded up for Clippers, a mad guy or a free agent. Right, right. They can get both, right? Whichever star wants his way push out of a big market. Now they have those picks from Philadelphia, and they don't have to max out Tobias Harris, which they didn't want to do. And they're in that position. You know, there's something, I don't know, I think it was a team president or GM. Maybe it's a common mantra in the league, right? But they say you've got to be able to sell one of two things, winning or hope. And if you're not selling one of those two, you're in trouble, right? And I always like to go through the standings and go, okay, they're selling winning. All right, they've got hope there. You go there, nope, they're su- they got neither, right? And you go, which one, if you don't fall into one of those two, your job's probably in jeopardy. And it might be in either of the other two also, but. Yeah. And, and think, you know, with all the movement or whatever, you know, could potentially happen. Um, this summer, I was going through the cap space stuff again this morning because I was looking at the Celtics thing going, okay. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard for people to believe that the Celtics want to keep Kyrie after everything that just happened, but it's kind of what the job is. I don't want to lose the $25 million player because if you look at the where their cap sheet is, and something could happen with Horford, who knows? I mean, he's got a huge op number there at $30 million. I don't know if he would opt out and then try to redo mm-hmm. a deal, but it, we both know with their way their their balance sheet is, it'd be, it, it's, they don't get to just go shop for another $25 million player. Right. But I was going, I think there's 14 teams with 16 million or more in cap space. I was going through Bobby Marks' stuff that he sends us. And at the high end, there's a lot of max slot teams. And it used to not, like these guys are just better at it. And And the contracts are better and and they work in the CBA. There's a lot of teams with max slots, but guess what? There's not a lot of max players. And just because you're going to pay somebody. So that means Tobias Harris is, that's why the Clippers trade. Because he's getting that max deal. Yeah. If you're in a smaller market, you probably max out Tobias Harris. You say, okay. We can't go chase Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant. Even Jimmy or, Butler. Right. But where the Clippers were, I mean, you may, like, if they were Sacramento and Tobias Harris was on their team, you'd say, we're probably going to sign him. We can't go out in free agency and do that. But that was the, they got such a package for him. I mean, really three first round picks. They got a Philly first. They got that Miami first that. The unprotected has, one. Right? Unprotected yeah. that floats, has floated around from, uh, <laughs> Miami to Phoenix, Phoenix to Philly, now Philly to the Clippers. And which 2021, which who knows what the heat looks like then. Pat Riley could be back home on the beach in Malibu by then or still grinding it through. Or or maybe they get out in free agency in 19 and he hits it again and it's a 20th pick because they're good again or 25th pick. And then Landry Shamit, who – and like not only is that a first-round pick, it's a first-round pick that you got a good player. Like – Getting the twenty second pick wherever where did Shamit go? Twenty second, yeah, yeah. So right in that. But the like, fact that he's like closing having, games. Right. Having that pick is great, but basically <laughs> you get that pick without the risk. You got it a year later when everyone realizes he's good. Dads come in all shapes and sizes, and it can be hard for guys to pull off a casual, untucked look that isn't sloppy. Well, that's where Untuck It comes in. Untuck it shirts are different. They are specifically designed to be worn untucked. It's the modern solution to an old problem. No tucking or tailoring required. No matter your size or shape, their shirts are the perfect untucked length. You can find something for every style from the VP dad that needs to look cool and put together in their luxe wrinkle-free shirts or the casual dad running errands on the weekend in a cool plaid button-down. Think about it. When was the last time your dad went shopping? Update his closet with some of our modern, perfectly fitted shirts. Your mom will thank you later. Take your dad to try it on in person at one of Untucket's 50 stores or go to untucket.com to get started. They even offer free shipping and returns on all orders in the U.S. 
you can save 20% on your first order by using my code WOJ at checkout. That's untuckit.com, U-N-T-C-U-K-I-T.com, promo code W-O-J. If there's one thing I'm sure of, it's that nobody takes their shoes as seriously as NBA fans. From the classics to today's new releases, the market is always hot. But if you're buying sneakers online, there's more than a coin flip's chance that the shoe you're looking at is a fake. So how can you be sure it's real? Well, now you can buy in total confidence with GOAT.com. GOAT.com is the safest way to buy and sell authentic sneakers online. They're the largest marketplace in the world for authentic Yeezys, Jordans, and over 600,000 sneaker listings. They've made the whole process frictionless and trustworthy. They do this by only accepting sellers with the best reputation and by verifying all sneakers to ensure their authenticity for buyers. Every detail is inspected, from the stitching and color to the size and weight. GOAT certifies that every pair of sneakers on their site matches exact factory specifications. With over a half million sneakers on the platform and 10 million users, you won't find better prices for verified 100% authentic sneakers anywhere else. So find your perfect 100% authentic sneaker at GOAT.com slash Woj. But you've got to go right now before the sneakers you want are gone. Once again, that's GOAT, spelled G-O-A-T, dot com slash Woj, W-O-J. Let me ask you this. Executive of the year. We always talk about MVP and most improved. How do you define the executive of the year? Because I have a different definition to me than maybe what the award is. But how do you define? Well, Magic is not eligible now, right? Because he's no longer with the Lakers. Well, he could. You could vote him. I mean, uh, I just want to know who's eligible for the field. Well, I think you'd, it would go to Rob Palenka, the okay. last man standing. Well, then he's still there. Or, okay. Or, or Kurt and Linda Rambis could share it. That's a possibility. Co. Certainly, they are a part of that front office. Co. I don't know. Have we ever had Co? Okay, give me your criteria before I, I throw you my pick. So, typically, and remember, the GMs themselves vote on it. It's voted on by your peers. I think the Sporting News always ran it, and they might still... Sporting News always ran that award. I, I think they still do. But it's voted on by GMs. And I always love, too, the vote. You kind of get a sense of guys will vote in blocks a little bit, like... You got all the Spurs guys out there, and they can gang up for a candidate, or ain't like. Or you can always, always tell the one no one likes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Or sometimes there's like one stray vote that you go, and there's always this belief it's Danny Ainge that like Danny will vote for. I know there was one year Dan. I'm not gonna say who it was, but Danny voted for one that was not. Danny voted, I, I believe. I believe Danny voted one year for somebody. There was a front office with, as you mentioned, a few different people and he voted for the guy who actually didn't have the biggest title and so he ended up on the vote and they changed the I think they changed the rule and said you can only vote for the guy who's at the top of the mat like there's one name you can't just pick random people in the front office so what was he trying to do mess with the front office no 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 I think it was guy no, I think, show up on Monday no, going, I don't, hey. I, no I don't think he's trying to mess with anybody but I do think it and and, and that's if indeed it so was he, he voted for like company. an advanced scout no no it wasn't advanced no. it was somebody high up okay. it was somebody high up I believe it was Danny I guess He's been um, doing amazing work in yeah. Croatia. So I know people want to do it based on just the calendar year. Well, he made this trade, this trade, made this trade, this trade. He signed that free agent. Maybe he hired a coach. And some years it's just obvious. Like Pat Riley, when he puts the big three together, 
he's executive of the year. Like, there's no. I mean, the funny thing about the Pat Riley one is the three players, for the most part, are the ones that probably just decided. Right. How I mean, Wade's already told the story. He goes, originally, yeah. LeBron and I want to go to Chicago. Right. But then we found out Bosch was in, and the only way we could make it work is if the three of us came to Miami. Right, right. But. And I'm not knocking yeah, Pat Riley right. for it, but, I mean, it had but more gets, to do with those three guys than right. did Pat. Yeah. I like to see someone rewarded, not based on they just happen to be the team with salary cap space or – yeah, it was one trade, and a team had to unload a guy, and he demanded it to that place, and so they were able to do the trade. Like, whose plan you sort of saw come to fruition in a given year, where you saw three or four years of work, and you saw it all blossom, whether it was draft picks that all hit, and now they've gotten into the playoffs. And, you know, Denver's an example of that, right? Years of planning, didn't make the playoffs, and they go from out of the playoffs to the two seed, stay with Mike Malone, after missing the playoffs for a few years, stay, give him a new deal before he even got into the playoffs. He got an extension. You see the fruition of years of planning because that's what the job is. The job is not a home run. It's a lot of singles and sacrifice bunts. It's not the grand slam typically of bringing in. Like, earlier Most this, teams lose in free agency. Like, there's all these right, fan bases right. going, we can never get anybody. Like, I, like, thought, look I thought that the Clippers were setting themselves up to be candidates for next year, that all the work they did this year, you could see, like at one point this year, I said, and then let's say hypothetically they got Kawhi Leonard, they got Kawhi and another big star, and then they moved, became a three or four seed in the West. And you go, that group, Lawrence Frank and Michael Winger, they win executive of the year next year. But then you look this year and you go, wait a minute, that team won 48 games. They beat Golden State twice in the first round. They achieved in a way in the short term that was remarkable, and they set themselves up long term easily make the case for Doc Rivers as coach of the year. And I've always kind of thought, I don't know that you can have the coach of the year and executive of the year in the same year. I think you've got to decide. Now, there's different people voting on the two awards. But for me, you got to say, okay, maybe it can be both. But typically to me, like, that would be a case there this year where I'd say might be both, right? Both of those you could make the case for. But I just think it's a fascinating award. And I love that the GMs themselves vote on it. And I love asking them who you voted for and why. Because they all have very different definitions of. This of, is an incredibly thorough answer. That was that was. I've been wait. You're the only person I could unload that on. So Conley, you're thinking Denver. Like you look at the. I think it's Masai. Let, let me make right. my my case for Masai. Yep. Okay. Back to the blow it up things. Toronto goes. You know what? We can't do this anymore. We can't do this anymore. It doesn't work. Our two guys, our backcourt. I know they're best friends. It's not going to work. And I can move out DeRozan, who's a really good player. Um, he's not great. He's never going to be a leader of like a great team. I can trade him for what I always thought was a more healthy than all of the saga last year with Kawhi, who, when Kawhi's right, he's one of the three best players in the NBA. You've drafted Siakam and the development from him. You've changed your approach with Nick Nurse, which I know is always hard to do, but I always feel like coach of the year, that just means you're getting fired sooner. Like, that's all that award guarantees. Yeah. Like, you're probably now going to get canned soon. Uh, the Gasol trade, which allows them flexibility, especially knowing you were going to probably have to run into the Sixers at some point, mm-hmm. um, which has hurt a Bach a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, the, I, the, I growth, look, the growth of Siakam. The growth of Siakam, who's your pick? Yep. You know, it's, I hate that OG's not playing right yeah. now either. Another, I, I loved watching him develop. Another, yep. And that was just bad luck with the appendix. You... You swing for the fences in the Kawhi thing. I know probably some people listening be like, well, how could you give him executive year until you know whether or not Kawhi's saying? 
I don't. I don't look right, at it that it way. It was the right yeah. decision. That, that, that team needed a jolt. That yeah. team needed a jolt. It had gone as far as they weren't going Kawhi, the Siakam thing, Gasol. Uh, he'd be my vote. I absolutely believe they had gone as far as they could with the Lowry, Demar Derozan, but I wouldn't for a minute believe. And and I, Nick Nurse has done an outstanding job this year. I, I also believe Dwayne Casey probably would have done an outstanding job too. Like I don't know that. Like both could be right. Both could be the. Sometimes there's more than one right answer. They both could have been the right coaches. You'll never know. Uh, but and it's always tough for a coach, yeah. even if he's a good coach. Like if you go to your guys at the top, meaning the players, and like, hey, how's it going? And if they're telling you, eh, a good coaches get tuned out after a while. I've had coaches say, you know, after four years, mm-hmm. they probably don't want to listen to you anymore, no matter what you've done. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Metro by T-Mobile. Did you know that with Metro, you get access to a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S.? Yep, Metro has coast-to-coast coverage, so you can catch the game on the go on your phone. Plus, with Metro, you save big, and I mean really big, up to 1200 bucks a year. Plus, Amazon Prime is included. So why pay more with those other guys? Check out Metro by T-Mobile and get coast-to-coast coverage with big savings. Discover why Metro is the smarter way to wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. That's genius. Your new pod with Van Pelt. Yes. It's back. It is back. Van Pelt, Rosillo Show. SVP. Yeah, SVP and Rosillo. So we're bringing the, the radio show we had at six years. And, um, you know, we, we miss it, but we don't want to do a radio show, I don't think, anytime again soon together. Maybe, maybe something else. Maybe there'd be plans for some sort of daily thing. Could be. We're not sure. But we're going to do the podcast. ESPN wanted to do it. We yeah. had talked about it. So we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. So we're going to start the first one to be the week of June. How many telephone conversations you had with him? You go, you know, if we just turn the recorder on, we could be like, take out about 20% of probably saying stuff about somebody you couldn't, you can't say on. Yeah, pod, right? people take, we don't. Yeah, the people, people don't, we don't like. like yeah. that, take that. 20% Those would be better. Out. Those would be great podcasts, though. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. We're both great grudge holders. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like people have asked me about Scott, and, and when he decided, okay, I want to work with him, he only wanted to work with me based on listening to me. We had never hung out. We had never talked. I didn't have a cell phone number. And then I'm 30 when I'm at ESPN, and at that point, when Scott started thinking about working with me, maybe I'm 33, 32, and my friends at that point, you know, they're like, wait a minute, that Scott, have you met him? I'm like, yeah, he's cool. And they're like, does he like you? I'm like, yeah, I think he likes me. <laughs> like, isn't that kind of cool that, like, Scott Van Pelt likes you? I was like, yeah, to be honest with you, it is kind of cool. And so there wasn't some friendship where it's, hey, we finally want to work together. It was Scott driving home in the middle of the night. And I would be this kid who was driving down from Boston doing those overnight shifts. I mean, I'd get out at, at one, usually sometimes later, and then I'd drive back to Boston because the first couple of years I, I couldn't afford the hotel. Or if I did the hotel, I could only do the hotel. I would only let myself stay in the hotel if I would, had two shifts at least back-to-back right. or two and three. So I feel like I'd be better prepared instead of having to come back and forth, come back and forth, come back and forth. And if I only had one shift, I go, all right, I'm going to make $600 for the shift because <laughs> it was a six hour show right. and the hotel's going to cost 120 or something. And I was, I was broke, but I was on and Scott was leaving the sports center studios and he was listening to me rant and rave the whole time. And when he was offered his opportunity and they're like, who do you want to be with? It was a bunch of bigger names than me. And he was like, I want to work with the, that Rosillo guy. And, and some suits hated it. They're like, what? 
what are you talking about? But the thing that they didn't, they didn't realize is that all the other big names were like, yeah, radio, I'll kind of do it. Right. And that's just not what the job is. And I'm like, I'll work every day. And, uh, it, it worked out. So yeah, we missed, we missed doing it because we have these phone conversations where he'll just call me out of the blue and be like, you know, I hate which NBA <laughs> team or something. Or I'll be like, have you ever talked to this college football coach? And I go, well, yeah, yeah, I know that guy a little bit. And be like, what, what's his deal? And then that ends up, we get done and we go that, we just did two segments. <laughs> You know what you should do with every one of your guests? Mm-hmm. They should be allowed to ask like a genie, like three questions. <laughs> right. Make yeah. a genie. Yeah, like well, a genie, like, like a three wishes. three wishes. But instead of three wishes, like we get to ask Woj three direct questions. But I know you don't want the, the aggregate. Yeah, you know what Go I mean. I, I, yeah, no, okay, what? <laughs> Wait, explain what that means. Oh, the aggregate? The, yeah. Yeah, it just, well, it happens to me. The most recent one had me trade. You say something on a podcast, it gets taken out of context, and for me, it's ruined my reputation. Right. So mm-hmm. you have a stronger reputation than I do, so it's, it's, I wouldn't say ruined is an exaggeration, but there's pockets of the community that think I'm a moron right. because I said Paul George was gone, and that's, that's not what I said. I said an agent has said he's gone. Blah, 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 blah. But that's why you're better at this because you don't, you wouldn't have said no, that. I give, like, you don't like always, those. You're yeah. going to get, no matter if you sit here and talk long enough, you're going to get dinged on something. You'll have something. Somebody's going to do it. Someone's going to call, did you say this about my guy? No, I didn't say that at all. Where did you see it? I don't know. I saw it. Do you know the best one ever? Do you know what the best one ever is right now? Is when Simmons and I were talking about Oklahoma City and he said, man, that contract for Steven Adams is bad. And I go, yeah, well, you know, he's good, but man, it really gets up there. Like when you look at the, the years yeah. remaining on it, it's a huge number. And he had said just passing, like, oh, yeah, I don't even know if you could trade him. It led the local news in New Zealand, the TV oh, station saying he's that, huge there. right. And it was like, you know, the terminology is incredible. Like sports talkman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sports talksman, Bill Simmons. Uh, I can't do the accent. And they were like, Freaked out in New Zealand. So I was getting all, I was pegged on all of it. I was getting all these alerts that like it was leading all of their local news that there was the questions. Do you, you about have whether. alerts on your name? Yeah. Yeah. You don't even no, bother. I don't even look at my mentions on Twitter. I, I try to, I only can see the mentions of the people verified. I follow. No, no, no. Oh, the people that I follow. Even tighter knit family. Yeah. So, oh, I guess maybe verified and maybe that comes up in one of the columns, but, but you're talking about a, like Google mention, like Google search. Yeah, you can actually set up an alert and then it do you, sends do you, you an email. I do have one alert set up, and I never, I wouldn't even know how to take it down. When I did the Miracle of St. Anthony, oh, yeah. every once in a while I get like a Miracle of St. Anthony alert. It was a book I did yeah, yeah. a decade More. ago on Bob Hurley Sr. And, and so at the time, when you're trying to get book publicity and, you know, you're seeing who wrote about it or who did a review, that was a way to do it. But every once in a while, like, it'll still pop up. And actually, I like that one. Usually it's, you know, it's, it's not somebody just, uh, Ripping you in a blog, torching you. Going, I don't. (laughs) I don't really need to see that. That's not going to help. Okay, so give me your three. Go ahead. Three genie questions. Yeah, maybe two. You might turn this into a segment. How about a? How about a team option for the third? Are you the team? Yeah, you be the team. team Yeah, you you can. You can decline the third one. Okay, what? What do you realistically think the Celtics game plan is here? Try to do a lot of talking with Kyrie Irving. Find out what it is he wants. Does any of that exist in Boston? Or is it somewhere else? And if it's somewhere else, then I'm not sure they're going to convince him to stay. But if there's scenarios or things to fix or things to work on together that would continue his career there, 
Like that's a conversation they want to have. And do those scenarios include Anthony Davis? And that's the question the Celtics have to answer is they need him to answer is if we go get Anthony Davis, will you stay? Will you probably stay? Will you absolutely not stay? And then they've got to measure from there. Do they want to do the Davis deal anyway? And regardless of his decision, they have to take that in consideration, right? What's We know what the worst case scenario would be. They agree in principle to a deal for Anthony Davis, and they probably have to put Jason Tatum in the deal. And then Kyrie Irving leaves in free agency, then Anthony Davis leaves next year, next summer in free agency, and now they've lost potentially Kyrie, Anthony Davis, Jason Tatum, and wherever else. Like, you can't put yourself in that position. I can't imagine Ainge would do it. Now he'll do he he'll do he's bold, right? He's as bold as it gets. But he's not but reckless. He's not an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I mean that would be you've got think of all the different things you have to do. You have to agree to this trade in principle before draft night. And then a week plus later, well, you have to you have to trust I guess, you know, the relationship you'd have was it Wexler, right? Mm-hmm. Um you'd have to all be on the same page that if we have the deal with Davis done in principle like, they have to be connected. We can't do them separate of each other because of what you just said. Mm-hmm. You couldn't sit there and what they gave up for Kyrie, you do every day of the week. Okay. Yeah. Some of these people, and I haven't been the biggest Kyrie fan, but some of the people that have mentioned, like, we should have never gotten rid of Isaiah Thomas, like, you're being a little sentimental about something that was a really fun year, right. but it wasn't. And, and really... what happened to Isaiah? That, like, that's if you're going to assume that Isaiah was going to continue playing at the level he was at. The injury. What's happened to Isaiah physically in Cleveland and then the Lakers and then Denver, that was going to happen in Boston too. So you weren't going to have the Isaiah who was lighting up the fourth quarters of, of playoff games. And and, and he uh, was he, awesome, but it also wasn't realistic from a basketball standpoint. Like the second guy, I always try to mention, they ran high ball screen for him every play. And the second guy was Avery Bradley on that team. So even though the numbers were sick and those, mm-hmm. the, the Wizards' performances were un- unbelievable – you go, hey, this is a really nice run, but it's Kyrie Irving. The thing with Boston, you said it like, and it's always funny. People always say Danny Ainge is a great risk taker and he's bold. I don't know. I don't know what risks. What I think he is is the word I've always thought with him is very disciplined because there was a run of years there where he kept gathering assets. Like, is it bold? He believed Jason Tatum was the, that was a player he wanted in the draft. He didn't want Markel Fultz, but he knew Philly did. And so he trades from one to three, picks up another pick. And there were these years where people were clamoring because they had the assets to get anybody they wanted, right? It was, hey, go trade for Paul George. Nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that one. Go trade for Jimmy Butler in Chicago. Nope, nope. We're, we're going to keep building the way. And then they had the cap space, and they I think they always had confidence in getting Gordon Hayward. They didn't know Gordon Hayward would have that kind of a devastating injury. Could have happened if they – sign somebody else. But it was always very pragmatic. He didn't take risks. Now, this is the offseason. There was not risk with the Kyrie Irving trade. Like you said, they gave up. They had Isaiah's medicals. They made that decision, too, based on physically. And I remember Cleveland saw the medicals, and they tried, to, and they ended up getting another second-round pick out of it before the trade was completed. This is the year now where Danny Ainge may have to take tremendous risk. He hasn't had to. He's been able to sort of just keep building it and building it and adding to it and drafting really well, and the guys develop. But there'll be risk with Anthony Davis. Like, they're not sure they can re-sign him. They may not be sure they can re-sign him, but 
listen, it will be bold if Kyrie Irving says, I'm leaving. I'm not staying. You can do whatever you want with Anthony Davis. And they still do the trade anyway, thinking maybe we'll, we can still change his mind on it. Or if he leaves, we'll build around Anthony Davis and we'll convince him to sign next year. Now, that would be bold. Yeah, right. Because discipline should be the first word in describing him. I, I just don't think he's afraid. I think bold to me is also that most GMs would look at the mock drafts and go, ah, I'll just take faults. I'll just take faults. Because I can't get I, criticized right, for that. Because right. I took the right. guy that everybody was consensus right. number one. Right. And he's never going to do that. Yeah, because he's, he's not never, afraid. He's he not care. going to get fired. Right. I mean, how many GMs in the league can you say, they can go to, like, I'm not getting fired? Like, who run number one basketball operations? Danny Ainge is Bob, not getting fired. R.C. R.C. Buford's not getting fired. I would say Lindsey in Utah. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, if, like, and mainly, be, like, a, because they've done an outstanding job, and B, because of the kind of ownership they have. Patient, they don't work for volatile people, so they would have great confidence. I think he would, like, they can make longer-term moves there. But Danny's funny because everything's always worked out in life for him, right? Like, he was a better athlete than everybody else at everything, right? He was not just the kind of basketball player he was, not just a Major League Baseball player, was a... Big-time football player, had football offers to go to the Pac-8 at the time, right, to be a receiver, I think he was, and would run track, did everything. And then, you know, it always worked out for him. I think the joke was when Red Auerbach hired him and somebody asked Red, like, why'd you hire Danny? He was like, he's the luckiest guy I've ever met. Like, it'll go well for him, right? <laughs> and then, you know, you think of the year where they don't get the number one pick because they want Greg Oden. Like, oh, not only we don't get number one, we don't get two, we they don't get, get Durant. They got five. Right, they got five. Remember, remember Doc Rivers and – Danny Ainge coming on TV right after they looked like they had seen a ghost. I was Woj. I was so that's the 2007 summer, and I'm working for the Comcast Celtics channel up there, and we're ready to blow it out. You know, ready to blow it out. And here's, I like the top four guys in that draft because then it was Horford and Conley. Now they weren't going to be the stars because Odin was going to be good. If Odin was healthy, Odin was going to be really good. I, I'll I'll argue with anybody that would say the other side of that. So that's why I never describe him as a bust. To me, if you're injured and you can't play, that being a bust to me is you just can't play and you're a bad pick. Um, we had all sorts of. There was ten employees or something waiting to find out if they were going to become full time employees. Had the Celtics gotten one or two. And I, I don't know if you ever watch any of those gold mining shows in Discovery, but I remember one of the first seasons where they were weighing all the gold and the <laughs> kids were there at the camp and the guy weighing the gold was just talking out of his ass and he's like, hey, you, there's a million dollars in that ground. And the kids are like, are we going to get a new car? And that's what it was like that like a night. a pretty cruel show. Yeah, I've never heard of yeah. Well, you check it out. Gold <laughs> Rush. My buddy produced it. So cool. the reason the reason I make this analogy is that we had all these these part-time employees like going, okay, okay, okay. And then the lottery lands on five. And now you're thinking, okay, we're not going to blow out the coverage. We're not going to hire new employees. We're not going to make people part. Uh, we're not going to make people full time. And then instead, they go and win an NBA championship. Yeah. Trade for Ray Allen and trade for right. KG. Trade the Jeff Green pick. And at the time, I remember looking at the Ray thing, going, I don't know, a lot he of money left on that and deal. And he the had ankle, ankle stuff. Injuries, yeah, he looked like he couldn't move anymore. Yeah. At certain stretches, at least defensively yeah. in Seattle. And then, then it made sense because it was like, oh, this is because you need to entice KG. Okay, I feel like we went. I think we did a thorough job on that one. Well, you did, actually. All right. One so, more genie question. One more. Um, I'm trying to think of, you know what? Because I'm a West Coast guy, I'm going to ask another East Coast. I'm going to go big market again on you. What's the variance between 
the best version of what happens with the Knicks and the worst version? Well, the best version is Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, right? And the number one pick. And the number one pick. Although, it will be interesting to see if the Knicks do get the number one pick, and it's Zion Williamson, how free agents look at Zion. Because I don't get a sense. Part of what you want to go to New York for is the marketing and that stage and being the guy there. And I don't know that Zion Williamson's ever going to be the kind of pro that Kevin Durant is. I'm, I'm almost sure he's not going to be. Yeah, it's likely he's not he's, going to be I'm, I'm almost maybe the greatest like, score. You know. right, right. Like, he's he's not going to be. But And Kyrie Irving, I don't know. But I know he's a phenomenon. And I know that he is going to get a historic shoe deal. And he's a phenomenon. And it will take time before people pass significant judgment on him. And he'll be, listen, at worst, I think he's going to be very, very good because he plays so hard and he's so smart and he's so unique. Like, he's going to give you 20 and 10. I ended up loving his personality as much as his game. Anybody who's been around him significantly, he's got everything you takes and you put him in a place like New York. So I will be interested to see how that impacts free agents. Wouldn't that be really funny, though? Like, as you're saying this, you're going, imagine, like, you could see Kyrie with the way he's wired if they won the lottery going, hmm. But he is a Duke guy, and they know Shashevsky, and I'm sure they like. And I'm not saying it would scare guys. I'm not saying it would cause guys not to come. I don't believe that. No, but it is an interesting interesting dynamic. Yes, because if you're a big time guy that thought you were going to New York to run the Knicks and have it be your team, and then this phenomenon is drafted number one. I like this. This is like a good. This is a good tease. You're gonna make a graphic bar here. Mm -hmm. Would Zion, would the Knicks winning the lottery cost the Knicks free agents? There you go. The answer is no, but I do think it would it'd just be interesting. Dynamic. So we're saying that's best case scenario, let's say. Uh, or number two, you get John ja Morant, and like it drops off after two. Like this is, and there's guys there who made. I do think RJ in an NBA game yes, is going to look better, yes. but I, I, I'm a huge RJ Barrett fan, and I think he's super competitive. His dad put him in a lot of great competitive situations throughout his whole career. Canadian national team playing these big world. FIBA games with a lot on the line. He wasn't just running around like playing four AAU games in a day with nothing at stake. Like this guy's been put, his dad put him in great situations. His dad ran USA or ran Canadian basketball. Anyway, so I mean, the worst case is, well, the next case is, let's say it's KD and not a second guy and they have to wait a year, keep space and go back into it the next year. Um, but they're also can trade like, if the Knicks have the second pick, I don't think they would trade number one because because you have Anthony Davis out there. So does one, two, or three, does that give you – because all these other teams who can give you multiple picks, that's great. But two picks or three picks in the 20s, if they have the second pick and you're in New Orleans and you go, hey, I want John Moran or I want R.J. Baird at three or is there somehow I could get the Zion at one if they had it. Like, doesn't that have more value than a few vague picks that could be much further down? So that would put the Knicks in that conversation. And, and of course, worst case, they get the fourth pick and nobody comes in free agency. And, you know, they sign some guys on one-year deals and roll it into next year. But they're like, hey, we've got those picks from the Porzingis trade. And we have some picks to go out and try to make a trade and bring a guy in. But they better get somebody big this year. It, it will be hard to sell. But that's, I mean, imagine. Like, imagine. It, would, it would be hard to keep any real momentum for the organization. It's hard to say there's momentum when you won a few games they did last year. But there is momentum toward the 
chance of getting KD and Kyrie. There is it is a real possibility. Is it only Golden State or New York for KD? You think so? No, I, I wouldn't. I'm not big on ruling things out because things change, and like especially this year, what I think will be interesting in free agency is because you have.